Welcome to the Continuous Delivery Podcast. My name is Zarar. I'm Gino. I'm Chaba. And I'm Cheesy. I think we all can agree that we do not like manual testing of things. We don't want to get in there and start clicking around buttons and start using that as our verification mechanism. There's another approach to dealing with uh, verification, and that's something called visual regression, where you have tools which go through your application and compare what the application is showing you, so the UI, and then comparing it against a benchmark which you had previously recorded and telling you, oh, you have a difference between what the benchmark is and what I'm seeing right now. Any thoughts on the pros and cons of this approach? Uh, so for me, the, the thing that I would be most nervous about is creating a, a brittle test. So a, a test that, that fails frequently, even though there's not an issue. So the other thing is, is that what I find is that usually these sort of visual regression-ish type things usually happen on some of the more obscure platforms that we run things on. So for example, it might happen on a tablet or, or a phone or something like that. And a lot of those visual regression tools are more designed around running things through browsers. What is the importance, actually, of this uh, in the first place, right? Because I can imagine that there is a, a variety of, of places where having pixel-perfect designs is, is really crucial for, your, for the, the customer experience. But there is a whole ton of other places where it's not so much crucial, where it's, yeah, okay, you, you, would, you would expect a button to be exactly uh, there uh, all the time. But if uh, next day the button is, uh, is appearing five pixels more to the left or five pixels more to the right, it's not going to change the functionality of the application. And the, the customer might, might say like, hey, something changed here. I don't know necessarily what has changed, but it doesn't prevent me from using the app. So, so I think it's important to first understand what the importance is of, uh, of pixel perfect compliance or, 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 or comparison with, uh, with previous versions in the, in the first place. I, I feel that argument of not having pixel-perfect designs or pixel-perfect designs implemented in your software has sort of been, it's, I think it's outdated now. And I'll tell you why, because I don't want my Netflix play button moving by five pixels every time I uh, use it. I know you didn't mean exactly that, so I'm being a little facetious. There is a difference between every time and every time that you're making a, an update to uh, your software, right? Because basically what you're saying is, my design as it is today needs to be static because that's what you're testing. That's what you're comparing against. Now, that also means that there is very little opportunity for you unless you you, you go through that, that expensive maintenance cycle. There's very little opportunity for you to start changing that design and making small improvements as you go through it, right? That's what I'm talking about. Those are the five pixels that I'm, that I'm referring to, not the five pixels because every single time that you refresh it, it shows up somewhere else. That, that would indeed be annoying. With the prevalence of mobile devices and different viewports, uh, you know, we have so many devices, so many viewports, so many browsers, so many contexts the application runs in. Has the importance of a, of a concept like automated visual regression increased or, or, or do you have like other alternates that you can use instead of this? Well, there are some attempts out there to, to, to create um, uh, test tools or, or test services that kind of can run these devices. With, with more or less success for, for how many devices do you want to design your app, right? You, and, 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 you, and you cannot possibly design for every single 
every single device. So I don't believe this has been solved, but but with the with the new de- development tools that are out there, who can render a site or, or a page on on various devices, I think they improved, and so the so the testing itself is 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 easier in a way. We have tools like. Puppeteer, Selenium, Playwright, Cypress out there. And they're, they're very popular because they're essentially end-to-end testing frameworks. And, and we know what we think about end-to-end tests. But I sort of do see the value in visual regression only because it might replace a more inefficient process. So if, if you have your designers always checking after a developer does something, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, it, whether it worked or not, if you can actually automate that inefficiency away, I can totally see the value of it, um, but I but I do find its negatives sometimes outweigh the positives because they are slow. They require maintenance. Uh, the benchmarks have a temporal element to it, so you don't know which benchmark you're comparing against. Generating the benchmarks may be ex- expensive, uh, and 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 how much how much what is the maintainability of these tests? And if you contrast that with the risk that they are mitigating, it, it isn't always there. You might offer some alternate approaches to this instead of instead of just uh, relying on a tool to do like basically screenshot comparisons? Uh, I think those tools do have a place, you know, in the case where we're mocking right behind the UI. I, I also don't write very many of those. Even with the mocks, they're still slow. They still have all the other problems that I, that I, that I mentioned. They, they, they absolutely are slow. And there, there are other ways to manage that. So first of all, back to the visual thing. I, I think it's much less of an issue these days than it has been in the past. And that's largely because several browsers are using the same rendering engine, you know, and they're getting more particular about it. So the times that that uh, a significant visual thing shows up in the apps that I'm working with are, are incredibly rare. You know, it doesn't happen that often. And usually if it does happen, it shows up in, I'm going to say, quote unquote, the usual suspects. And I'm not going to mention what those might be because it might be different for other people. So a couple of ideas that, that we're doing with, with my teams right now is that if we know that there is like a usual suspect and I know that I'm making a significant change, I might just as a developer, this is not as a designer because I don't believe in handing this off to somebody else to verify it. But as a developer, I might just spend a couple of minutes looking at it on that usual suspect. If it's, let's say, for example, if it's if it's an iPad or if it's an Internet Explorer or whatever it might be, I'm going to try to just take a few moments while I'm developing it just to make sure that things look okay. Now, beyond that, there are possible other things that can go wrong that that we can write lighter weight tests to help us capture. And this doesn't necessarily handle the actual physical representation, but it does handle that our page accidentally changed. And and then that is there are tools now that can take a snapshot of a portion of a DOM. This is not a visual snapshot, but it's grabbing literally the HTML of of something that you pointed to, grab this div or whatever. And tools can actually go through and dynamically grab that without having to rendering, without having to render the whole application, without having to actually even start the application and do a quick comparison there. And those might be, uh, a good tool to consider for cases where, you know, hey, this page should not change. But by the way, we're making changes in other areas of the app, and there are some things that are shared, but I just want to make sure that these other changes don't break something in this page. It's not going to change. Again, it's not visual. 
it, but it will make sure that my DOM doesn't change because somebody changed a widget that's used in multiple places or whatever it might be. It's almost like our testing tools are playing catch up to our build tools because our build tools have become smart enough where, you know, if you have a large mono repo or you're using NX or some other framework, like, and if you have a 10,000 files in your app, it'll only compile and execute the five files that have changed. But I, I feel like we don't have a similar solution for our testing, especially when it, when it, when it comes to uh, visual regression. I would also like to call out, because you're mentioning regression, that it's super important to uh, not to introduce this at the very, very, very first moment when you start development, because because that page is going to change so much that it's just going to be pure frustration to maintain this test. So once once the page is somewhat stable, then you should introduce, for example, these tools. And what you're relying on is the structure of the of the DOM and and all the stuff that you have control over, and not necessarily how that is rendered in your um, in your browser, because then suddenly you're um, you're completely freed from needing to take into account the the, the difference that might exist between uh, between those different browsers, as long as you ensure that what you produce is always the same, and you're basically looking a tiny bit under the uh, under the surface or under the uh, uh, the water level, right? Uh, you're not looking at the pixels themselves, but you're looking at the structure that generate those pixels. It always comes down at, at looking at how can we isolate that particular piece and how can we only test that or how can we make it easier and more maintainable to test it? And that's ultimately the evolution that we're always going to see with every single thing that we're trying to test or verify. So how do we, I'm not going to use the word verify because verification almost automatically implies that it's happening late in the process. How do we make sure that, the, you know, the investment we make in our design people, like, and we do make a lot of investment in visual designers, content designers, the stuff that they produce is actually reflected in the software. Cheesy mentioned earlier that, you know, you, you don't like to give it back to design to verify Talk to me about some approaches that we can use so that we actually make our design partners feel that, yeah, whatever they design, whatever the time they spent, all the UX stuff they did is actually into the software. Well, I would start with the first moment that that as soon as developer has something, just talk to the designer or just sometimes just sit together and then just 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 work together. And and I know during these these times when everybody's remote, keep your your designer in, in the loop. Right with with a design, and also the other pro, other possibility is if you have a user story and you start a user story, you don't necessarily have to have that pixel perfect design. What if you start the development process with brainstorming a little bit of the about the design, and then starting the implementation and working together with the designer? I'd add that it's it, this sounds extremely simple, but I believe that designers or everybody on the team should always have access to the latest build snapshot available to them so they're always so they can always go and play with the software i think that that's something so simple you'd be shocked how often that does not happen just to give your team access to the latest build snapshot so they can go play with it is something that i can actually probably mitigate that because instead of you going up to them and saying hey can you check this because they're playing with the software at all times they might come to you and say hey you i think you missed this right so i think reversing that whole thing by increasing transparency around the software might actually help. I'm also going to say that what happens is as organizations, teams start deploying more and more and code goes faster from developers' fingers to production, that developers do tend to become very, very detailed-oriented. And to be quite honest, that's kind of what it takes 
is there's no longer just quickly glancing at at the page that I've just created, but instead taking just a few seconds to look at it as the individual components and make sure it looks okay. Now, I, I do want to take one other detour here, though, on this topic, because a lot of what we're, we've talked about so far is assuming that there is a design for the page. But imagine a situation in which at any given time there are five or six or eight or ten different versions of that page out. The whole co- that, that we're experimenting on and ideating on, and sometimes we are making just small little tweaks to the page to try to learn is there some uh, impact to the value overall that we're trying to achieve. And so cases like that, uh, the, the idea of trying to put some form of an automated visual regression in place is 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 uh, not, I mean, it, it, it's something that, that doesn't make sense. You know, the idea of a visual regression is that I've got one version of the page and here's exactly what it looks like. But once you have a lot and the fact that any one of those could be shut down at any second, there, there's no value in it. And in cases like that, we have to rely on the developers to use their 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 skills to make sure that what they're building is actually what's being requested of them and 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 that's how it works if you're deploying daily and if you're if you're deploying very very frequently you know that the delta is very small and you'll you'll feel more confident in what you're pushing through that you wouldn't find the need for 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 instruments like these but the counter to that is sometimes our code base is so mangled together that you change something seemingly in one area and you want to make sure that the impact somewhere else is is zero. And I think that is the primary motivation behind some of these tooling. It's, it's not necessarily that the change I'm making is like, I'll blow the change that I'm making right now. It's that because I'm using the CSS in this header, I don't know how page X over there impacts it. And, and I think that's the risk that people are trying to mitigate with, with, with tools like these. H- how else would you mitigate that specific risk, where if you change, say, global CSS somewhere else, something that's in bomb somewhere else. I was just about to say, what is the, what is the problem that is really trying to solve? You talk about in introducing a global CSS or a CSS value somewhere. Uh, there are there are tools I have never used them myself, but uh, but I've been told there are tools that exist that you can uh, you can actually unit test CSS and making sure that you just load them in in a certain order and then see what the effect is uh, on certain components. So that would definitely help with some of that. Uh, you can still test individual components and, and look at uh, how how they produce those results and making sure that those do not uh, do not change. But back, back to what you said, if you have a global CSS and you're making a change to it, then that means you're trying to make a global change. What you might be facing is poor structure, you know, where somebody has created something globally, but they're trying to make a local change. That's a, a, a nasty code issue that has to be resolved. You know, and, and I would expect that that the developer would be smart enough to realize, whoa, I'm making a local change. This is a global file. I probably should not make my change in here, you know, and that I should be smarter about how I make that change. What's our conclusion here? Write better code so you don't need visual regression testing? So not everything that shows up on the screen needs visual regression testing. We can agree on that, right? So 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 try to push as much as possible into some level of automation. Perhaps for for new features, a very very brief exploratory testing is 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 usually a good idea, and then beyond that, there are some tools that 
that can mitigate some risks, but can all the risks be mitigated? Or, or, or should we pay the price necessary to mitigate all those risks? So for me, visual regression testing seems to be a symptom of something that is wrong somewhere else. And that needs to be addressed in a different way. And not, not by comparing pixel by pixel uh, what your design looked like yesterday versus what it does look like today. For me, uh, I think that, that the whole visual aspects and accidental visual changes, thank goodness, uh, it, it's far less of a problem now than it has been in the past. And it's much easier to manage, but that there are some cases that we know that we do run into where things act funny and under certain circumstances or certain devices. Again, I think just a simple uh, awareness of that and just some small exploratory testing, whenever we make a significant change there, goes goes a long way. I'm in the same camp as, as the others. If somebody moves uh, two or three pixels or a few pixels here or there, who freaking cares, to be quite honest? Your, your customers won't care. They won't notice. They won't even know it's happening. And I think locking in UI with these tests is going to make us less willing to do the type of experimentation and the type of rapid, small changes that we really want the teams to start doing. Man, designers probably hate this podcast if anybody listens to it. It is what it is. We'll stand our ground on this one. And with that, we will conclude this edition of the Continuous Delivery Podcast. Goodbye.